Yes. All right. The live stream recording has begun. This is your ever faithful host, Romeo and Oscar. And I have my good friend, Disgruntled Doc of Disgruntled Docs. Are you like Disgruntled Doc number 12, no, Disgruntled Doc number three? How do they, how do you guys distinguish between yourselves? Um, I used to go by like call signs, I guess. Uh, so mine was a uh, machete, you know what I mean? So <laughs> my dad's like, looks like Danny Trejo, so it just kind of stuck. Hey, check this out. It looks like Mr. 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 Lucky has joined in. Speak up, Jason. Say hey. He's figuring yeah. out his mic. He's muted, that's why. I know, he's muted. Darn Marines and their technology. Yeah, I haven't talked to him since uh, him and I did that recording, like really on in the, our podcasting. Like <laughs> that yeah. was like last, that was like uh, midwinter last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was after we did our first one, or maybe shortly after, um, with the OG disgruntled doc uh, Kung Fu, one of the boys. Uh, yeah, then him and I went like two and a half hour rant. <laughs> Oh, so I'm just gonna call you Machete. Okay. And you can and, and you can call me uh lemon chip. No, uh <laughs> Romeo. <laughs> Romeo oh Romeo. Oh look, Jason finally figured out how to pull himself off mute. Introduce yourself, Jason. Um hi, I'm lucky. <laughs> the, uh, the the old schooler, you know. Um just hanging out, brother. Yeah, so um I actually I finally figured out um how to connect an actual ac actual microphone here um i've got a real microphone now so you may hear that on your end uh hopefully i won't be one, one of the benefits previously is i could often my bodily functions were hidden better but they're not now which includes i've had a coof for about the past week cuz uh dd and i Machete. We were going to do this um, last weekend. I, I couldn't figure out because, and you saw this, uh, Lucky. Uh, I have this little Zoom mixer. I mean, it's a cool technology. Don't get me wrong. However, it's this—it's a compact mix board. It's like a, you know, a, an, an iPhone mix board essentially, a little bit thicker than that, and. And you saw this too, Didi. I was, um, I Frankensteined it to the computer and I could get on some technologies at inputting, other not, but because it has this micro USB connector, long story short, it was a pain in the ass. I was sick. I finally just quit because, well, I felt like crap and I wasn't getting anywhere and I was afraid I was going to start smashing things at that point. And so, um, I finally got it all solved this morning, and Dee Dee and I are going live now. So this is kind of a a follow on. That was back. Hell, man, that was that was like uh, Labor Day weekend, I think, when you and I spoke. So this has been over two months. Yeah, it sounds about. 
Yeah, man. Because I think yeah, um, it was September, right? Yeah, dude. And I'm I'm 99 sure that was Labor Day weekend too. I think it was. And so, um, you know, when when we had our podcast back then, you know, it was um, it was kind of a you know just a discussion about religion and everything like that. I kind of went in depth with sort of my my journey and such, you know, long story short, uh, born Roman Catholic, baptized Roman Catholic, attended some Protestant churches growing up. Best friend growing up is now a Lutheran pastor. When we were eight years old, he used to preach to and do homilies to his stuffed animals. Uh, I got involved with some Lutheran churches and then some, you know, uh, evangelical kind of things with him and everything like that. And then I thought I was all super rational and, you know, became more or less an apostate. Now over my journey over the last few years, uh, found my way into orthodoxy, which is going to be interesting, you know, with Lucky here, because I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on everything here as well. But I, I think first, um, disgruntled, I know that, or machete, I always want to call you just disgruntled, but machete. Um, Wait, it's fine, or, right? You call me the disgruntled machete. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll just change it up every time. I'll, I'll throw you off. Um, but, uh, you know, when we spoke at that point, I don't think you'd even attended any Orthodox churches, right? Um, no, I hadn't. But since then, you have. So if you want to give your quick background and everything like that, and then maybe kind of tell where things are with you, what you think. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is just going to be an overall discussion. You know, we've got some some points here and things like that. And of course we're going to take some Q and a here towards the end because that's worked out pretty well. So, um, anyway, machete. Hablame. Oh, <laughs> hola. Como están todos? No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Todo está bien. Um, I grew up a uh, Catholic, actually Orthodox Catholic. Cause I was looking up at the old parish my family used to go to, and it actually was a an Orthodox uh, Catholic parish. Funny enough, so that was uh, like the Eastern Catholic. I, I can't remember, dude. I was like looking okay. it up, and then, but yeah, um, I, I grew up uh, Catholic, just being Latino and just kind of traditional. And then after my parents got divorced, uh, I went Pentecostal uh, for like a, a good couple of years. Uh, World Harvest Christian Center. Uh, it, it was pretty amazing church um and then afterwards when kind of non-denominational i guess you can kind of say protestant as well um and then you went to the that, was that like the rock and roll church yeah i was one of the and uh i did that for like a long time uh for like high school and then i went to college and then uh, i used to sing in spanish for like the choir for like my church and everything like i used to be like deep into it and then uh, eventually, I kind of just fell off the map, started doing my own thing, and then... So, uh, was that like soprano? Because you sound very soprano, or maybe alto. No, probably more soprano. I got a deeper voice, so I can't hit those high notes, Ugg. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in college, thing got involved with some people, and then, uh, you know, I thought it was, like, too cool for school, and then uh, kind of went, fell off the path, like, hard, like, really hard. Uh, I've talked about it in, in a different podcast with, uh, or at least on my side, uh, a little bit about it. And then eventually at some point, I kind of want to talk more about it, but I'll probably wait till after I get out because it's a lot of, uh, 
things I shouldn't be talking about, <laughs> but it, it's all part of it, part of the struggle. Uh, and then uh, I was going to a church in San Diego uh, at some point, uh, and then I kept going to that church, uh, kind of a, I don't even know, it's supposed to be non-denominational, but it's still like a rock church, so I guess Protestant. Um, went there for a lot, a lot of years, like on and off, like even in between deployments, and then I, I would read my Bible, but then I was still kind of in my in my old nature you know like I, I still believed but i was still doing a bunch of bad things and you know i still struggle with a lot of things that i'm still trying to work on i'm not perfect but yeah uh eventually where i'm at now like i was going to a church here it was awesome uh but just i felt like it was missing something and the more i was looking into things the more just kind of same thing led me to orthodoxy and uh it was father just saw that trend his videos on youtube Father Spiridion, yeah. uh, him as well. A, okay, uh, yeah, so uh, Josiah Trinum, that's Patristic Nectar. Patristic Nectar Josiah publications, Trinum. yep. Yeah, yeah. It, his videos have just been uh, amazing, and that's what kind of led me into that, just kind of looking into different things. And then now I'm pushing more towards that orthodox side of the house, and it re reminding me back of those old uh, Catholic traditions. Like, they, you can tell, like, it just kind of, at least for me, since I grew up in that manner, it, it just kind of brings me back. So it's just kind of funny, but yeah. Uh, well, you know what's been really. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, please. Continue. No, that, that was a. We just started attending a little more recently, so uh, it's it been. Well, it's okay, been what good. do you think of it overall? Just talk about that. Um, um, give it like a high level. So it, it's definitely highly traditional. It's going back to uh, those roots, and it's it's things that I, I was used to as like as a kid. Like with the whole kind of like i don't mean it like in any negative kind of connotation but i remember as like a early catholic it was like oh simon says open up sit down say this say that and like as a kid I, i'd never really understood it now that i've like learned more about it you read more about it it's like okay this all kind of makes sense and just it's it's a lot to take in and it's and it feels it feels a lot different you know what I mean? Because now it's like instead of having like this whole show and this whole rock band and this whole like thing, which um, like praising God is good, you know what I mean? And doing it in different factions. But when it comes time to, you know, getting into that, um, not the mentality, but I guess into the spirituality of all that and just getting the right mindset to learn about God, it, it's, it has to be a, l a lot deeper than just uh you know feelings it, it's something more than more than just that so uh it's it's been good it's definitely trying to break a lot of old habits that i used to have so it's it's been amazing but it's uh i love it man it, it's it's so deep, powerful all the traditions every little things and then just the sermons and the liturgy is like short and sweet and it's just it it, it hits like it, it's not kind of drawn out it's just it's super powerful so i, I love it man so uh i know uh i had tried to call lucky but i wasn't sure if he was going to make it but now he's here um i don't know man i mean you're here and you know what we're talking about and you know um what do you want to say about this i mean i don't know it's a weird journey um i wouldn't necessarily call myself a, a you know, a devout believer or anything like that. I've always just been of the mind, you know, that the divine doesn't need me to speak for it. And should it exist that, you know, we'll square up when that time comes. Um, but I, of course I grew up seventh day Adventist, you know, and that was kind of a um, particularly strange time, you know, the early nineties, the whole David Koresh thing. And, 
you know, um, <laughs> what, wait, it wasn't what, what, that. What was it? What was it with David Koresh again? Uh, I can't oh, remember, <laughs> you know, the whole Waco thing and all of that. Oh, oh yeah. The, fire, um, fire. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, so much like we are branch covidians these days the branch davidians were seen as an offshoot um a sect of a sect if you will and so you know we already had kind of a, a little bit of stigma going on there because we you know went to a church on saturday it was you know keep fourth commandment thou shalt keep Sabbath day holy right and mm-hmm. uh you know we we did the whole practicing of you know during spring solstice wash you know people's feet and you know we didn't we went by mosaic law tv went off on you know friday evenings we don't eat scavengers no shrimp no pork no so you know i kind of got out of that by the time i was about 12 13 and kind of adopted this arrogant attitude in regards towards religion in general enough to say that i knew more about other people than religion about religion than you know also without indulging so it was this very haughty air with which i carried myself for a long time um you know that almost edgy atheist kind of stuff you know but without delving into that youtube style of atheism like uh you know oh man i listen to black metal and you know they burn churches and that's rad and i'm so edgy i mean that (laughs) stuff is lucky because you know knowing but both of us having known each other for a while. Wait, one thing real quick. Stas, I see your hand raised. So we're going to talk for a bit here. And then once we kind of cut through this, we're going to take questions. So if you want to keep your hand up, that's cool. But it's going to be a bit before we take questions, just so you guys know that. But back to what uh, Lucky was saying here. Um, can you imagine, you know, knowing how we have been on social media at times and just how we are pretty outspoken? If something like YouTube had existed back in our real, our, our, our angsty year days. <laughs> oh, brother. Back then, you know, I was all over um, something awful and terrorizing Yahoo chat rooms and stuff. And back in the day, even, you know, when 4chan came online in late 2003, you know, it, it, there I was. And it was it was bad. But, you know, over the years, as re- with respect towards orthodoxy, it was actually you, um, Mr. Romeo there. You kept posting stuff or talking about, you know, uh, stuff from D.P. Harry or Jay Dyer. Um, you know, it, what really kind of appealed to me with orthodoxy, though, is the rigorous scholarship associated with it. It's not like a celebration church, the Pentecostals are speaking in tongues. Um, you know, there's no tithings in the sense that you're trying to buy yourself into heaven. You know, you send some mega church pastor a thousand dollars and he sends you a fake one dollar bill back, and this is your uh, insurance <laughs> to get to the pearly gates. You know, um, that, I mean, yeah, that's a real thing, that's a real thing, brother. No, I know, you have to I know, like, dollar. I'm just imagining too, like, you know, that's about you know, uh a 10th to a 20th of his monthly down payment on his big mansion too. You're just helping to pay that mortgage. <laughs> right. And what I find in orthodoxy, especially going um, to services is that it hasn't deviated um, historically speaking. I mean, it's the same service that I would attend today is no different than what perhaps some of my ancestors in the Varangian guard might've seen a thousand years ago. There's very little variance in that regard. And so, you know, again, the rigorous scholarship and the often understated side of, well, the mystical aspect of 
Christianity and religion in general, which is something I've always been fascinated with, like the Sufis and Islam and, you know, when the Orthodox Church, they call it hesychasm, you know, I went on that kick there for a few months there, Mr. Romeo, I still am, which is something that I very much enjoy. Um, you know, what? Uh, I got to interject something really quick. That class that I'd shared with you on uh, Wednesdays, um, yeah. uh, Machete uh, came in the other night. You, you missed out, but it was it was devoted a lot to the to the hesychasm. You missed out. Yeah, yeah, it was man, really so good. Busy. It's been really busy, man. I'll, I'll talk to you offline about that, but yeah, <laughs> it's been a while, but. You know, um, it is, you know, to the people who are skeptical, you know, I mean, go in with an open mind. I mean, I'm still pretty skeptical regarding metaphysics myself. It's just I know that I enjoy the community and the the lack of judgment and pretense. I mean, how most of <laughs> most of the clergy is more tatted up than I am. Or hell, even, you know, so, I mean, I, I come yep. in there totally casual and it's, you know, there's there's no putting on airs with Sunday best or griping about who, uh, has the best tuna casserole or whatever, you know, it's, it's, there's no pretense, because you know, yeah, there, there's no pretense and it's more about <sighs> discipline without the judgment associated with it. Because I think yeah. what I've found, especially is that, you know, it's you that's going to have to answer for these things at the end of the day. And obviously, you know, you can have a relationship with your spiritual father at the end, if you do end up becoming Orthodox and such, you know, and th there'll be some accountability there. But the way that I have seen it with a lot of the Orthodox churches that I have been in is that it's on you, you know, it's on you. And if you don't go, Hey man, you know, you might have some people kind of following up and being like, you know, you okay and stuff like that. But it's not going to be like, you weren't at church today. What were you doing? You know? <laughs> right. You know, and I appreciate that a lot about, about the church. Um, you know, there used to be always, I know, at least with the Seventh-day Adventists, um, we didn't really have that much of a stigma regarding attendance either. But, you know, there was various seminars like... Uh, revelation study we'd spend like two weeks on that and that was a nightly thing and i actually really enjoyed that as a deep dive into each book or we'd you know go and discuss the gospels and that would be you know tracking the scholarship such as it is um through all of that and i, I definitely that's what perhaps like on the intellectual side of things is the scholarship with orthodoxy you know there aren't any there's just, like I said, there's no pretense, man. It's just, this is what happened. These are the saints. This is the, you know, here are the translations. There isn't this superficial bickering between, um, you know, the New International Version versus the, the KJV-only types that you see in funding Baptist groups. You know, it's just, it's all piss-poor theology on their part, at least in my well, opinion. Well, and I think that, um, you know, one of the challenges that I, I had found... <laughs> Because when I was doing some of that um, evangelical type things when I was younger, and it made me uncomfortable, especially as a as a teenager. Even I, as much as I was very egotistical back then, not that I'm not now, right? But um, but back then, um, when I was, yeah, I'd get in front of a group of people or whatever, and I'd be given a, a Bible verse. And suddenly I was to give my interpretation as if my 
random interpretation at that moment meant something. I'm not saying it it's something we should completely discount, but it was the way that that was elevated versus, versus the concept that I found in orthodoxy where, you know, there are thousands of years of scholars who have gone over this and they've reached specific conclusions. And those conclusions are the dogma of the church as it relates to these things. You can go to someone and question the dogma itself. They don't, you know, it's not like uh, the Pope, the the papal supremacy, like, oh, hey, the Pope now decided that, you know, it, it is cool for them to sleep with children because now he's interpreting the Bible that way. No, um, it's that, you know, what you must come at it with a very good understanding first of what these people have said, what may be limiting in what they're saying and why you should perhaps consider something else. You know, it's not just one of those situations. And that's what I think is actually quite amazing about it. And, and it's not either as if it's just like, Hey, three guys came up with this stuff and you know, that's what we're all doing. It's like, no, this is church fathers spreading all over many different countries across the planet with many different things that they've brought forth. And it's very in-depth discussion because these are the guys that were sitting in monastic caves sometimes or in the desert somewhere. And they were coming up with these ideas. And it's it just, it's simply, it blows my mind away when I look at these things, because, you know, to me, I think when I first saw it as well, what I can think of is um, when I first encountered things like, um, Aristotle or Socrates or Homer or, or things like that, where there was so much knowledge inside of this old historical type thing. And for a very long time, you know, and, and I've touched on this before, there was sort of like, Hey, there was Christianity up till 1054, but it was all Catholics and they all had a Pope, you know, and, and then they split and they were still kind of Catholics, but then there became the Reformation. And that's when it really matters anymore. And that's how they teach history oftentimes in a lot of the universities. If there's any discussion of the Eastern Roman Empire, it's maybe just about, um, you know, the, the government process of Byzantium and everything like that. But it's not really what all was going on under the surface of it. I mean, you'll talk about Constantine, right? But there's a lot that's missed out and you don't realize that rich scholarship. Well, of course, you know, and it's a thing that's often um, completely left out of American interpretations of Christianity or largely Western secularized Christianity, which is of course all predicated upon profit. Mostly I've um, got to get those numbers up. Like in the movie dogma, you know, the whole buddy Jesus thing, buddy Christ, you know, we got to get this new blood in here, which is why you see like a lot of various Southern groups kind of um, kowtowing to various social justice movements and whatnot. Hey, that's been, I tell you what, too, that's blown me away just because of my early perception of the Southern movements. Right. I wouldn't have, yeah, I would have seen that. Well, you know, it's, it's about the almighty dollar at the end of it with a lot of those things. And I'm not here to, you know, sell anybody on the church. I know, I mean, I could talk about my own personal experiences, what I enjoy about physically going, just standing and listening to the hymns or, you know, talking with you and our sermons are very, very understated. You know, they're, you know, 10, 15 minutes and that's it. You know, it's mostly meditation for me in a lot of ways, you know, the smell of the incense, listening to the hymns and just kind of reflecting on what I've learned and what I've read about. 
and it's kind of you know we've all been through boot camp right so like i know like i did marine corps boot camp i went to buddhist services because it was quiet and i could listen to you know just the sound of nothing outside of the chanting occasionally and mostly meditation and the smell of the incense for me it's like that in a lot of ways um place to clear my mind and be around like-minded and good people you know it's just i don't have to sell you on it. it's one of those things you got to go and experience for yourself and either it hits you or it doesn't you know maybe it's not your time i know for me when i went uh that was definitely uh i had step foot in church in years you know outside of going to funerals or giving eulogies and stuff so you know that's all performative theatrics anyway but you know just go and try it out man that's all i could tell anybody yeah you know and i think um i was a little bit surprised when uh machete and i when we um after we did that the response i mean quite honestly i thought that i was going to get more of a negative backlash not that we haven't gotten a negative backlash i mean there's been yeah. a lot of people <laughs> there's been a lot of people throwing grenades and things like that i mean because where Damn, we came dude. from yeah dude i mean you know <laughs> there's a lot of history on both sides about like what the pages used to do or used to uh post and then now <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously. And I used to taunt Christians. I would go out of my way. I mean, because that's just, it's, God forgive me. I mean, that's my nature has been that way oftentimes. I've been very much a a rebel, you know, for, for, and oftentimes for no real reason, which I mean, I think is part of the reason why many people were shocked that I even managed to last through boot camp much less the military when i had joined just because my nature as it is yeah. i'm glad without a doubt same. big same dude <laughs> yeah which is probably why we all get along in the end um you know um but i have had so many people reach out to me for more information you know and that's uh, i didn't expect that honestly i, I just thought it was going to be kind of one of those things you know because over some time, I've whether we were doing podcast or on the page, I would allude to some of these things at times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go too in depth, but then once we did that podcast, it really opened up a door that I didn't necessarily expect was going to be opened. And people really are thirsting for this information. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's part of the reason why I'm doing this today. And, you know, I think, Lucky, you know about this, and I know machete you know this but i've ended up i i've purchased some orthodox study bibles and i haven't determined how i'm going to do this but i'm going to be doing a giveaway um soon and there's some different plans that i've got because of this you know and um we've talked about as well we're going to set up a i don't know if i even mentioned this to you lucky but i know that um dd and i we talked about this we're going to set up a another telegram channel for more discussions just exclusively like this um, on the, the religious side of things and an Orthodox focus, but something that allow people to do that. I've set up a YouTube channel where I'm going to be doing some live broadcasting because there's, that's also why I've got this microphone and why I sound a little bit better because there's people who want to have more discussions and just out of respect for, trying to to do this a little more right i got this microphone so that we can do this and do some live broadcasting with these individuals and obviously i don't expect uh, any youtube channel i mean come on this is our 38th iteration of the page i'm not 
I, I, I'm not a fool to think that that's going to last forever. Obviously, there's there are some ways that we can do broadcasting uh, a video here. I'm nailing down this technology. I'm not the smartest guy out there. I'll figure some of this stuff out. I wanted to do live broadcast on Odyssey. I set up a channel for that, and then I found out, like, basically, I'm going to have to publish a bunch of videos on there, or I can bribe them, and then they'll let me broadcast live. I get it because they're an alternative platform, and they don't want every crazy individual Charles Manson on their broadcasting or whatever, but, you know, we're going to start in different places. We're going to be doing more things, and, I mean, this is this is a big part of my life. It's a huge part of my life, as both these guys I'm talking to know. And I think probably people in the audience recognize that as well. And at least since I've been a part of PBF in the way that, you know, with Lucky and I, we've always approached it. It's like, hey, talk about whatever's on your mind, whatever's in your heart, whatever you want to talk about. For sure. Don't be a... (laughs) Don't be, um, how do I want to say this? Don't try to go out of your your way to offend or create issues, especially in the day and age that we live in now. But it there was a um, you know harkening back to you know earlier about what you know we used to do back in the day and how the the overall evolution of things. I mean. What a lot of people don't realize is, is that during that time in the early days of PBF, like the first maybe 15 iterations of that page, probably, you know, okay, we'll say the first 10 would be a little bit more charitable to myself here because I have an ego like everybody else. Um, <laughs> we, it, it was all piss and vinegar, pure vitriol. I mean, you got to think, dude, I was drinking a fifth and a six pack at night and going through a nasty divorce. I'm still angry about, you know, a lot of stuff that happened during deployments. I mean, your typical mid late 20s just angry sob all the time that's what it was and honestly i did some of my best writing back then too just crapping all over everyone and everything that i could that's what it was and you know we had wook wednesdays fat body fridays and just venom for everyone didn't matter who they were depend you know <laughs> body amos banned me from her page on christmas eve you know, after editing articles about her husband and stuff, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> well, you know, but that's the thing too. It was sort of our, uh, our Bukowski days back then, you know, man, because, you know, we all, that was therapeutic for a lot of us and it was cathartic. Yeah. But the danger of that too, as well, is there's an energy that you put off when you're doing stuff like that. And people do feed off of that. But it also, it tears us apart in our soul sometimes doing that. Yes, it's a release, but at the same time, having to feed that beast, we can't just do that. And it's not like there's nothing healthy about the way that we were consuming alcohol or doing drugs and things like that. And at times in order to create, and that's honestly the truth. I know there were times where I just like, yeah, I'm getting wasted so I can go post something kind of attitude. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I, I did a lot of stuff um, like when we when I initially tried to set up an actual PBF website back in the day, we have one now, which I currently don't do anything with because apparently uh, I'm just lazy and hate WordPress. But um, like back, <laughs> in <the> day, um, <laughs> back in the day, you know what I was doing? That was like 2015. I had for some reason found myself in Florida on a complete lark 
what, what turned into what was supposed to be in a, a week long, you know, stay turned into six months. I don't care. I just quit my job, did a lot of cocaine and a lot of writing. Really strange time in my life. But, you know, that's just how it was at the time. And I'm not proud of it, but, you know, it's part of the journey, I guess. And yeah. the fact that we've been around so long as we translate, translate, uh, transition towards, you know, more political, more um, cultural related stuff, just writ large outside of the military context, um, you've seen that alienation from the older fan base. Like, hey, man, why don't you guys post dank maymays anymore, bro? Come on, man. Why, why don't you make fun of boobs, man? Why aren't you? Why aren't you just scouring TikTok, finding ridiculous boots so you can make us laugh? Come on, performing monkeys, perform. Right. You know, if you want that, go see. Uh, you know, TikTok boots. I don't have any problem with those guys. I think what they do is great. Oh, I I, I, exactly. I can't. It's just not. I'm not in it anymore. It's just not there. I've always been leery about it. Um, Elias and I, we talked about this in the summer of 2015, 2016, I reckon. And, you know, I didn't want to be that mid thirties guy wearing a GWAT hat, you know, making fun of, you know, 18 year old kids for not having gone to war. You know, it's just uncle Rico. Not, yeah, dude. I'm not, I'm not going to out Bundy these kids about, Hey man, where's your car? How'd you get here, bro? Come on, man. I got, I got better stuff to do, man. I like my garden. I like cooking. I like reading books. You know what I mean? So whatever, if that's what you guys want to do. Then go find that content, dude. I'm just not going to dance on those uh, eggshells for you. I'm just not going to do it. Because, because I mean that's always kind of, especially since I've been a part of it, it's it's not necessarily a genre that we're trying to appeal to. It's about us explicating. It's about us digging in and sharing. And whether it be one person, or you know, when we had one hundred sixty thousand followers at that one point. It's always going to be that raw what's inside of us that we're pulling the Band-Aid off. Well, yeah, and I think that also helps, too, with a lot of people who have stuck by us over the years, um, thankfully. I mean, I, for whatever reason, I cannot expound upon because I don't know <laughs> the motivations, machinations, or what have you. But Hey, hey God bless them, you know. <laughs> straight up, man. God bless them. But, uh, you know, it's all part of the journey, just like everybody else is going through their journeys as well. And hopefully us explicating upon our own personal journeys, you know, give somebody else some little, little bit of faith, hope, or resolve to keep on going, keep on trudging along for another day. You know, that's all I can hope for. Yeah. I hear you on that. It, it, it's, it's been the same over here for us as well. Cause people like, uh, you guys were an, an inspiration for us and me and lucky discussed it in one podcast and I might've gotten a, a little too toasted on that. It was pretty funny. But uh, but we were talking about stuff like that. It's like, yeah, sometimes you just have to grow up and mature and change out of these things. Like we, we used to, well, we still call people out, but all within like it's good judgment. But yeah, we used to do like no top Fridays and things like that. And like we had girls used to submit things and we used to just push all this stuff out. And same thing. And some people complain like, bro, like why are you posting things like that on Sunday? It's like, Cause it's Sunday, bro. You know what I mean? Like it's the Lord's day, bro. But some people complain and it's just like, look, dude, like every other day of the week, we're posting everything else. Like I might throw a little bit here and there throughout the week, but people change, man. People grow up and not just that. It's like we went from like 12 admins or whatever to now everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And then it's been me like running this whole thing for like the past two, three years, maybe. 
because they all kind of dwindle, they've all gone their own ways. Like we all still talk and we're all still boys. And sometimes you know they'll they'll throw some stuff my way and I'll post it up. But yeah, you just you just have to grow up sometimes and change a little bit for the betterment, especially like the way things are going now. Like it's like I don't know if it's more apparent what's happening in the world that like now uh actually someone was telling me the other day that the contra culture now is to be conservative and to you know believe in God. Like that's how far off the world is uh gotten as a whole that pages like yours mine, and others are now are like, yo, and this is crazy. This isn't good. <laughs> right. And that, that's part of it as well. Um, and, and also harkening back to what Romeo was saying earlier, you know, we, like we all, a lot of us were these recalcitrant um, rebellious types growing up. I mean, Romeo was a punk kid, you know, I was into metal punk rock and all that you know and then the counterculture kind of always appealed to me in a way but a lot of my fundamental beliefs haven't changed you know the yeah. against you know, private prison industry you know against big pharma corporations that kind of stuff that yep hallmark of liberalism like you know the 80s and 90s that kind of stuff and if you had told me that that would become the counterculture by the time you know i'm closer to 40 than not i would have laughed in your face straight out <laughs> you know um, so a lot of it's that Overton window shift in a lot of ways that you, you're seeing. And with respect towards orthodoxy, I think a lot of people are craving that, well, disciplined of mind and body. And I also believe that orthodoxy does offer that in spades, you know, and it's primarily community based and there's no judgment, no pretense. I know it, it, at my church, you know, there's Ethiopians, there's Greeks, there's white boys from down the blocks there there's guys with you know father turbos tatted from neck to toe and you know <laughs> i mean that's just how it is but all of our common denominator there is is that we see the craziness in the world and are seeking refuge from it and i think that appeals to a lot of people in these very very strange times i agree man you know and um I'm just going with the flow, especially too as well that um, people have come for more guidance and, you know, hey, look, I'm on my journey. I'm very early on in my journey. I'm going to share with you guys what I see, what I know, and please, you know, I pray that I don't mislead anyone. That's kind of, I think, one of the reasons too why I've been really... <sighs> Reticent. Reticent. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to be something I'm not. But I know people are, they're again thirsting for this. So, you know, I'm I'm going to do it, and and I've spoken to my priest about it and everything like that, and he he knows. Actually, he listened to the podcast with DD and I, and he really liked it which I was, <laughs> I was a little nervous to share it with him. <laughs> afraid that my priest is going to afraid that my priest is going to dig into the past and see some of the things I did in the past. Then I'm like, Oh yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Yep. I said that, <laughs> but it's been good. It's, it's actually worked out really well. Oh, absolutely. I know it's been a boon for me. Um, 
you know, I, I've had some trials and tribulations like most people have over the past couple of years, you know, the, the commie cough and various um, psychological assault coming from anybody who decides to look at any media or whatever. It, it can be definitely a black pill moment for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that I necessarily took refuge in the church, but it has been a strange bedfellow in that regard. Um, accidental, sure. You know, incidental is probably the better word for it. This is already on my journey anyway, man. You know, I'm just going to go with the flow. And thankfully, it's been a boon. That's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, we just live in strange times, brothers. That's all. Yeah, for real. It, it, it's been it's been crazy. And I'm, I was a little surprised, too, when you're like, yeah, dude, show it to my uh to your father and i was like oh i was like bro i'm hoping that everything turned out good but i'm glad that you know uh it was good and a lot of people were commenting on our side as well after we posted it uh, on ours that uh, they really like that open forum kind of style so i'm definitely gonna try to do something to that effect and yeah definitely trying not to leap in the wrong way and then just like lucky said it's like, dude, we're all going on our own journeys like there's still a lot of things i personally struggle with like uh i'm just gonna say you know like i I struggled a lot with drugs, like in college, like a whole lot. Like it, it, it got really bad. And then just, there's things I was doing that I'm not proud of. You know I mean, like then cheating, drinking, a bunch of dumb stuff. And it, as a young teenager, you do all these things without realizing like what you're doing to yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then as you're older, like these horrible habits you develop for years, you're just like, you try to break them. And then now that you're trying to like do things, they, they, sometimes they come itching back and it's just like, no, nope, I, I got to get away from all that. And, you know, uh, this has definitely kind of been helping me out back in the manner. And despite like me growing up in church, like it wasn't until like, until now that I'm a grown ass man, that I'm really starting to kind of realize things for what they are. And I've always like, we discussed the last, last one, like I've always known, but I've always fought against it. And now it's just like, I, I can't anymore. Cause it, it, it's just too much. And then even though like there's times where I, I still fall, it's like, okay, I got I, I to gotta get back up, you know, not for me, for everyone like behind me, my family and everything. So it's, it's like, I'm, I'm honestly glad that, you know, I have you guys and everyone else who's in here listening, like you're going to fall sometimes. It's okay. But having that good community, that good church that, you know, doesn't judge you. And is there more to help support? Like, especially like the one that I just left, like, it was like, I had to leave because it just wasn't like, it just wasn't there for me anymore. And you can tell the, the hypocrisy of people. I know people volunteer and help and want to do good, but there's times where you start seeing behind the veil and you peek and you're just like, okay, this isn't what, you know, we wanted it to be. And then when they kick you out of the group chat, not even saying, Hey, thank you for your volunteer <laughs> and everything you've done. With, well, dude, explain you know, that. Like, explain so, that a little bit. Um, I was volunteering at my church and you know, working with a uh, ministry and like kids in different areas and stuff. So, uh, teaching verses, doing like song and dance type of things and things like that. And like, we're all like a big group or whatever. And uh, I was one of the leaders. I was helping set up for. Um, training like new people because like when i first started it was kind of like uh hey cool you're here can you hold this prompt and follow these things like i'm sorry we don't have no one to train you but like we're kind of in a, a 
SOS kind of scenario. And I'm like, sure, I know how to read. Cool, let's do this. And I just got thrown in the deep end right away. And then I kind of learned how things work. And then uh, I was helping set up videos. And it's like, hey, uh, for new people coming in, I help set that up. So that way they're like, hey, this is the program you have to follow. Here's like the slides, the Bible verses, where to find everything or whatever for like the kids or whatever. And then um, so that was going good, you know, volunteering every Saturday, uh, Sunday as well. But then, you know, things started getting a little weird. And then certain leaders and stuff like that just started kind of becoming like kind of odd about things and real pushy. And the minute you start losing that that feeling of like, hey, I want to volunteer and do it out of the goodness of my heart. And they're just being more pushy. Like it's like it's like, look, man, like I'm doing what I can based on like my times and everything. So like just I get it. We need help. Yes, we do. But stop pushing so hard on those that are already doing as much as they can. And th there is a little bit of hypocrisy and people just, I, I don't know if it's just like an ego thing, but they, the way they walked around everyone was just kind of like, like they're holier, mightier than thou. And it's just like, bro, like we're all the same here. And then I was like, you know what? That's going to be it for me. So I told them, Hey, on this day, it's going to be our, our last service uh, volunteering. Uh, thank you guys for everything. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay cool thank you and then like it was like a phone call it was like a quick phone call but like it's funny enough they were on telegram too <laughs> uh not even like a hey thank you for everything you guys have done thank you for you know your time we hope and pray the best for you guys it was just hey you've been booted from the group and i was like whoa like not even like uh nothing dude like no thank you no nothing hey everyone say bye like we hope to still see you or blah 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 so i was like you know what Th that was just kind of like the the thing that kind of made me see i was like okay this is what they're about okay you know what? i'm ah it was a good time like there and like helping out with the kids but like when you have people like that it it it, it, it honestly saddened me a little bit and i was like man like these sure, like, right, i didn't man. want to leave I mean, you spent a lot of but... time Two years, dude, there. <laughs> I think that's what uh, turns a lot of people away from the church in general, though, um, particularly that American form of kind of Christianity is that they treat it like a business. There's a hierarchy, you know, and yeah. somebody's always trying to, you know, see who has the bigger set of genitals, who can volunteer or more, who can do X, Y, or Z. But if somebody's doing better than me and they're lower on the totem pole, well, then I have the uh, I have the suction here by which to go ahead and dispense with them. And that's just, you know, you're not necessarily um, seeking the praise or thanks for these things. I mean, it's ideally altruistic. You're doing them because you want to do them and for mm -hmm. the greater good, yes. But it also does feel pretty good for somebody else to acknowledge your efforts, you know, within reason. Nobody has to drop to their knees and praise you. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, hey, man, you know, you did a good job and I appreciate you. Or, you know, even a small compliment goes a long way. Hey, man, I like how you look today, man. You know, I like what you had to say. That little stuff there makes a huge difference. And isn't it funny, though, too? too? It, it, what's funny about that is people seem to, and I don't, I used to do that, like somehow giving a compliment to someone made you lower than them. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this, and I'm not saying everyone feels that way. Don't get me wrong. But I know I came from that when that ego, that fake ego kind of thing is like, oh, I can't say something nice. You know, and I think it's along that same vein. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's it's disarming, um, I think, to a lot of people. I know it was for me. There was a very strange incident. Of, well, at least it was strange to me. I was 
some years back, I don't know, it was probably seven or eight years ago, I was walking through east side Kansas City, somewhere over in northeast. And, you know, for people not familiar with that area, there's a stretch called Independence Avenue. And it's laden with drugs, you know, corner boys and prostitutes, that kind of stuff. And I was passing by a metro bus stop and some young black girl, she she looks at me and she just, you know, as I'm walking past, doesn't know me from Adam. She goes, hey, I like your eyes. And I had to stop. I like I legit stopped in my tracks, looked at her, and I was like, "Hold on, what did you just say?" She goes, "No, I like your eyes." And you know what, man? I can't tell you how good that made me feel. It was just something so trivial, wasn't totally unprompted, but that that egoism there that I had because we're you know, I, I I don't like to compliment people, and I certainly don't take compliments well at all. I'll immediately deflect. So I don't know. Maybe that's a cultural thing. I don't know. I haven't really thought that much about it, but I know in that moment, I realized something though. It's like, I remember how it made me feel. So from that, then on, I try to do the same thing, you know? Well, you know, it, and, and, but I think that there's this false bravado, especially for men sometimes where, it, especially early on where it's more difficult for us to compliment people. And it's just kind of dumb um, because when you just, it, I guess for me, it's just about being genuine and part of being genuine is things like that complimenting and having courtesy for people and such. I think also because we've grown up on a like a tough love kind of thing as well, where it's just like uh, you want to compliment someone, but then you also kind of want to be sarcastic, at least for us, like at least for <laughs> me. You know what I mean? Hey, hey man, I like you. Fat, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, you I know like... that they're looking good. You know what I mean? Or or if they're not, it's just like, hey, bro, you need to hit the gym, dog. And it's like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Well, it's always backhanded, and I think that comes a lot with the military and young guys in general. You know, they yeah. give you a backhanded compliment. You know, somebody will walk up to you and be like, "Hey, man, that's a nice jacket. Where'd you get it, faggot?" Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or like this too. Or like this too. You know, it's like, "Hey, man, I like your shoes. Did you get a free bowl of soup with them?" You know, like there's always got to be that little that little cutting edge. And I mean, some of that stuff's funny. Don't get me wrong. Some of it is, and especially though, I find it's a lot better when it's that cutting thing, when it's somebody, you know, and they know that when you are doing that cutting edge, cause it, it's, it, it does serve a purpose, but when you're doing it, it's actually, you're showing love. But when you do it to someone you don't know, that's just mean. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, dude, I'm not going to walk up to a stranger and be like, yo, what's up, Mr. Homo gay. I'm digging those chucks. Would you get them son? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen, dude. I mean, it's obviously tacked into quorum and for a social purpose, there is a, a need to preserve that machismo and that ego because you're it's like trying to establish a social hierarchy that's why kids crack on each other in school or you know well, dude, slap box there, one another it's the same stuff but dude especially and you know we're kind of diverged a little bit but I, i'm cool with that because whatever but with the military and especially when it comes to combat combat arms you're going to come under so much pressure that you can't even measure what you're going to encounter and you have to have a, a rough edge to you in order to deal with that and that's where the dark humor comes from and a lot of things like that as well and sometimes some of that in the military is just tr trying to weed out the weak people because you can't at the end of the day you're not going to know how people are going to perform until the moment comes and hits and things like that but up until that moment you've got to find ways to weed those people out 
Of course, you know, and a lot of that is based upon, you know, perceived based. notion of trauma, what may or may not come, um, you know, being young kids, because we're effectively we're child soldiers. Let's just be honest about that one. Your frontal lobe doesn't finish developing until you're 25 years of age. You have very little life experience. We're de facto child soldiers. We just so happen to have a form of legalism in this country that defines us as adults at that point. So yes, of course it does serve a purpose, but that ego that becomes associated and like, I don't know, I'm gonna call you Miguelito there, Doc. I don't know, I'm just gonna make up names for you too, like Mr. Romeo that works. here. Yeah, <laughs> Miguelito. Uh, you know, it's like you were alluding to earlier, it's a, a lot of it is those bad habits that you form early on in youth regarding, you know, that, that egotism or substance abuse and that kind of stuff, they come and pull their, their head back but could you imagine like a guy, you know, my age or something like that, you know, closer to 40 than not, just out here jaw jacking with 18 year olds and slapping people on the nutsack and, you know, just trying to banter about like that. It comes about weird and creepy and you're have this expectation to mature. But isn't it ultimately all false, though, in a lot of ways, that attitude, you know, that egoism that drives you? I just look back, I, I was having a discussion with a girlfriend the other day, and I'll make this short and sweet, is she was questioning me about some things about from my marriage and during that time, and I was in my early 20s, and, you know, throughout my mid-20s as well, and she was asking about boob jobs, and I paid for my ex-wife to get some really nice boltons, right? They, they were sweet, dude, but it was for her, and it made her feel better about her self-esteem, and whatever, you know, I had the money, it's no big problem. And in retrospect, I look back at a lot of things that I did now, well, did then, and I straight out told the old lady, I was like, look, dude, if me, myself, at my current age had met myself as a young man back then, I would have beaten the crap out of him because he was stupid and full of arrogance and hubris and ego. You know, that's what it was. Still, ostensibly, I'm an adult, yes, but for practical purposes, no, I'm just an ego-driven, impulse-laden, running-on-neck dots sort of, you know, arrogant asshole who gets on social media and laughs about the church, church of Notre Dame burning down. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it is. I couldn't imagine being that kind of person anymore. So maybe there's something we could do to talk to, you know, younger fellas about getting out of that mindset, that whole hubristic nature by which you conduct yourself. Maybe these things help some people. I don't know. It helps me. We were going to be talking about this stuff anyway, even if nobody was listening and me, you and doc would still sit around and talk. What we? Oh, no, for sure. And that that's one thing, too, that, like, people, um, you actually bring up a good point that is just, like, uh, people complain. It's just, like, bro, like, why are you posting about God things or this and that? I'm, like, even, like, the military has a lot of traditions and things based solely on, like, Christianity or just uh, God in general. Because even most things for, like, the Corman Creed at the end is, like, you know, do all these things. God is my, as my, as God is my witness, you know, will do all my uh, things faithfully, you know what I mean? So, like, most of this stuff yeah like it's it's all there but now it's just become like oh uh, saying it without truly believing it but it's i think that's something i i wholeheartedly agree yeah we need to go back and like change this mentality of things because yeah 18 year old me yeah i would yeah i would probably beat his ass too for being an idiot and then because <laughs> it, it i would have I'm glad I went through the things I did, but I, at the same time, I wish I hadn't just cause it's a lot of pain and anguish, but if I hadn't gone through it, then I don't know, I'd probably be somebody different. So, uh, 
I, I'm kind of glad, you know, but yeah. No, I mean, you make a, a, an interesting point because there are so many, it's, it's that rush to just experience things. And I think some of it's tied together too, as well with the bizarreness of our culture where, um, and it's been pushed for a while that toxic masculinity keeping men in cages more or less in schools and you know medicated and such like that that it makes men even want to lash out more in ways that are very destructive um not that men don't have a destructive nature to begin with but i think it amplifies it more because you want to do that and so you end up doing things just to experience so that you can cross a certain threshold if that makes sense i'm speaking a little bit yeah. abstractly yeah, like yeah, because, uh, you, you want to be the one that have those experiences and be able to tell people it's like, yeah, I've done this, I've done that, I've done that, because it like in our I guess day and age, like it gives you like a certain amount of uh, cool guy points or whatever. <laughs> right, that's why everybody wanted to be special forces or uh, you know that kind of stuff. Or I want to jump out of planes. Or when I was a teenager, I rode BMX. Well, I did until I was about thirty. I'm a roofer and I'm scared of heights because it's mostly that, well, the money's good and I like working with my hands, but also there's a bit of a rush. That's, that's what it is. It's somewhat inherent in the nature of men. I mean, skyscrapers don't get built by people who are, uh, you know, scared of them. Well, maybe perhaps it's in the pursuit of getting laid, but you know, kind of a Doug Stanhope reference there. But, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, man. It's strange times. I, what I do find with orthodoxy in general, though, is that discipline of mind, body, and spirit. And the, there's something to be said that we kind of have a problem with in our culture is, is that you take a movie like Dogma, for example, and that something that Father Turbo, um, Turbo Qualls has talked about quite a bit, I found interesting. Um, he was making a reference towards the movie Dogma and how that word has become stigmatized in a lot of ways. It has a lot of negative connotations. And a lot of things that we do in this country and the Western world in general are predicated upon what they call progressivism. In other words, turn your back on the past because that is those are the old ways. These are the ways of the oppressors, the colonizers, the systemic racism by which people speak, um, the wiping out of indigenous cultures, blah, blah, blah. These are all things. So we go ahead and we wipe away anything of the past. It's literally cultural and historical and religious erasure. So getting around that is something that destigmatizing, I suppose, should be the word of dogma. Because there is something to be said for tradition, for family, for shared ethics and shared community. <laughs> because you can have communities without them being shared, certainly. Pollocks didn't segregate themselves in Chicago for no reason, you know? So, I don't know, man. It's just kind of an errant, ill-formed thought. I'll shut up now. No, I, I definitely agree. There, there's been a, that progressivism of uh, destroying of the past, you know what I mean? For God, it, it all seems for, like, nefarious reasons, at least from uh, my uh, point of view, and then that's why I'm glad that, like, i uh, pushed into something a little bit more uh that doesn't waver in like the the orthodox church and then same thing just reading a little bit more of theology and a little bit deeper into things it's just like yeah this has withstood the test of time for like decades so 
I, I'm glad that I've kind of found that and I hope more people find, you know, something to that avail. So that way it helps them, especially in this day and age where things are, are so they're unwavering and everything's just moving consistently. And it's like from where the left was like 10 years ago to where they are now, like if they look back, they would be like, yeah, y'all, you guys are conservatives. You guys are garbage. Like it's, <laughs> it's just eating itself alive at this point. <laughs> Right. And Cere Cerebus. I'm sorry, Romeo, go ahead. No, no, I just said Cerebus, the snake. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, there's something that it, things being time tested, like family, community, shared ethics, a shared nation, those things are immutable characteristics of human humanity. They have withstood the test of time. So for me, it comes down to why would you want to erase these things unless it were some sort of deliberate machination? Um, to what end is it, you know, you do the whole global homo thing, you want Iraqis all of a sudden to be okay with, you know, gay interracial tongue fucking over trying to buy a Big Mac? You know, I mean, like what? Burgers. What, Almighty dollar. Burgers. Burgers, bro. Burgers, bro. It's, you know, I mean, is it really worth selling your spiritual ancestry and your spiritual self for a buck in your pocket? Is it really worth it? Does that make you feel good? And for some of the soulless among us, absolutely. It is. For me, myself, I can't live that way. I can't be morally bereft and spiritually bankrupt. I cannot. Mm -hmm. I cannot live like that. Well, you know, I made a post the other day, too, and I did put it on the Telegram. And I think... um What's been interesting about my own personal journey towards orthodoxy has been confronting the negation of God. Like, I wasn't someone, back to I think some of the things that we've, we've spoken about here too as well, because of my nature, and I'm not saying it's right or by any means at all, because of my nature, just coming to me and saying, you know, these certain things are, are correct. And maybe some of it would have hit me if I'd understood some of the concepts underlying it, but that's neither here nor there at this point. But I had to actually confront the idea of the negation of God, which is part of this consumer culture, which is part of this destruction of tradition and everything like that. And it's exponentially growing faster and faster. And it's so destructive because you can see it in so many levels. So many levels. I mean, what they're doing to kids what they're doing to kids in schools and things like that now and how they're indoctrinating them. These people who were telling us that, oh, churches are just indoctrinating children and making your children this, that, or the other. Well, you know what? You guys are doing it and you're doing it that much worse because now you're trying to legitimize all of these abhorrent behaviors and you're trying to, I mean, and, and again, it's like 180 degrees from what the Bible says. It's just so evil what we see going on. And as I saw those things and as I continue to see those things, I see the strength much more of the tradition, of the traditional values. And I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> I never thought I would believe it myself. Um, it, it's, again, that whole indoctrination thing. I used to parrot that one when I was a teenager and in my 20s and all that. I used to parrot that a lot. What I didn't realize, though, is that looking back on it, even prior to discovering um, orthodoxy or spending a lot of time with it, because um, of course I knew, but wasn't very well versed. All those little things though, that, that making a virtue of doing drugs and having these experiences just for the sake of having them or promiscuity, all those things ate away 
at my soul should such a thing exist i know it ate away at me it's some if you prefer to frame it in some sort of uh, existential terms or you like jean paul sartre or whatever and go ahead it's all the same um it still ate away at bits and pieces of myself and i put myself through a lot of nasty stuff by embracing this consumeristic sake of you know <laughs> having things for the sake of having them kind of mentality um, a lot of superficiality a lot of materialism put myself through hell through it you know for for the sake of it why i don't know i couldn't tell you well I tell you yeah. and you know it's funny about those experiences too like that bro is that um and i always find this analogy good like we're we're an onion and there's layers to that onion and okay, as, you, <laughs> as, as you as you as you mature too man i mean there's just more layers and those layers should be more refined but when you do some of these things younger on, you've got to dig through that onion. And man, sometimes some pieces of that are some rotten, rotten levels in there. You know, man. And, you know, something too, I think that has been touched on in just in general, what I have found with the Orthodox churches I've been at. And, and I mean, look, I, I can't attest to every Orthodox church out there. And I know there's Orthodox churches that I haven't felt comfortable in. So, don't think you're going to just find one and it's going to be perfect. I want to just make that clear. But part of the church, because the church is going to be the people in it, right? And mm -hmm. it's going to come to the priest and a lot of things like that. However, orthodoxy is really big on this concept. The church is a hospital. At its core, the church is the hospital. And you go there for medicine. And that's just really something to think about because I, I really do find that to be part of a big part of why I am Orthodox. Yeah. I, I, it's the same for me, man. Like there's a lot of bad that, you know, um, I've come to terms with and same thing. And I feel like it's making me be better. And just like, I, like I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. And yeah, it's definitely helping me, you know, grow back into that because there's still a lot of stuff that I fight. And, and just like I said, sometimes, you know, you go through these experiences and you wonder, like, why? Like, you know, you're I was like 19 years old in someone's garage and you're smoking heroin. And you're just like, bro, how do we get here? Like, what the hell? <laughs> and then now you're just like, OK, but in in another hand, you're just like, you know what? Now, like if anyone is like going through anything like that, you can be like, hey, bro, like I've been there. I've been through that. Like yeah. it's not pretty so it, it 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 makes for your testimony you know what i mean to be able to tell people like yeah this is where i've come from this these are all my mistakes i'm still learning i'm still trying but i think that well, also gives people hope seeing how like where all all of us have kind of come from like originally like from like the beginnings of the pages or including us like talking about our personal lives to where we are now it's just like they see that change and they're like you know, that's what people are kind of looking for. And I'm glad that people are gravitating towards that. So that way you can help them out because it's hel it's helping me out still because there's still so much of me that I, I need to change. And um, and I'm glad I have you guys as well to kind of help push me and remind me like, hey, bro, like, let's do this thing. You know what I mean? So that way I can get into a better mindset and get rid of these old ways because it's a uh, yeah, it, it eats away your soul. It really does. And then these old habits just not you sometimes or you're on social media and you see a thing and they're like hey bro remember i'm like you know what let me just push past this thing and 
that's why like I try to go as much as I can. Well, I think that's why too, you know, talking about these things and I spoke about this before because you guys, I used to, and I'm not sure how much I touched on this and I, I, I think I have on certain levels, but I'm not sure on that podcast, how I talked about this, but I think it's worth revisiting. I was so nervous going back into it for the first time because of all these things that I did for a long time. And I I thought that they could just tell they're going to figure me out, you know, and um, Orthodox churches are really big on uh, what they call a coffee hour, which actually is really good, but going there by yourself, like I was doing. So I managed to make it into the church, but then (laughs) I'd stick around for the coffee hour. Like I'd get a cup of coffee and then I'd run. Um, But then eventually I started sticking around. And it's really good. And that's where you start to find a lot of this, what we're talking about with the people non-judgmental. But something that's in the Bible that I think very much applies to this is the parable of the prodigal son. There's a reason why that exists there. And there's going to be people who want to come back to this as much as you become apostate. And no matter how bad you've been, you know, um, don't, don't shy away because of that. I've just got to say that because I know I've experienced that and I know I've spoken to people mm-hmm. who've felt similar things. They're there for you. And, and a good church is not going to judge you if you come in there and you've been somebody who hasn't been someone who's who's lived up in the best. Because listen to all of us here. We, believe me, all of us, we've done plenty of sinning for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I laugh because, 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 man, I mean, my, my mind just flashes. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm man, almost it uncomfortable. It was a contest, you know, and then especially when you grow up such that it, it, these things are made virtuous, you know, like who can drink more, who can, who can sleep with a midget, man? What's the, the, the fattest woman you could take home tonight? All these depravities are made virtuous in that sense. And, naturally yep. being some sort of alpha male type you want to engage in that one upsmanship and take it to its most mm-hmm. logical extreme and so that leads you down some very very dark and strange paths <laughs> indeed and mm-hmm. i've probably consumed a swimming pool worth of liquor in my life and put more cocaine up my nose and smoke so much bud i mean like i i, I the depravities i've engaged in are <laughs> ridiculous and for a long time, I considered them a virtue. I look back on it mm-hmm. in retrospect. Um, that so-called progressivism is what led me towards conservatism, but it becomes this sort of um, circular argument in the sense that I feel like I've progressed, so therefore I'm doing better in my life, spiritually, mentally, financially, work-related, professionally. I'd argue that I'm the true progressive and the rest of you are regressive who make virtues Absolutely, of man. depravity. You know? It's it's nihilistic progression versus true progression, and the nihilistic progression is regression, and it's destructive to ourselves. And I think to that point of something that you said earlier too, this whole alpha male kind of thing, this competition, everything like that. You know what I find is really good to fill in that instead of trying to compete with other people, compete with yourself. You know, if there's these things in your life that you see the shortcomings in, don't expect. To just come in and boom, I'm new. It's all this new thing. Nah, it takes time. And you just got to chip away at those things. Okay, hey, this week, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to work on this. Or you know what I mean? Just like set those little goals like that. 
Because it's that concept too. How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. Absolutely agree. Hey guys, so we've been going for about an hour and 15. I don't know. There was a guy in here earlier that had a question almost immediately, but I wanted to make sure we went through this. And uh, I don't know if anybody in the That's audience Stas. has questions. Yeah, I don't see Stas yeah. anymore. That was him like yeah. early on. And I see Richard Lionheart in here. I know he uh, yeah. he popped up in one of the old podcasts. But it, raise your hands, everyone, if there's anyone that's got a question for us, wants to discuss anything. There's Richard. <laughs> there he is. Hey, just to throw something quick out there, like uh, there's this band called Ten Scoops, and one of the their lines on there, uh, which you were talking about, like the whole degeneracy thing. But it's probably one of my favorites. It goes, uh, I'm sick of living in a world that exalts degeneracy, considers perversion as righteousness. And like every time that I hear that song and I hear that line, it just it just hits. But yeah, it's kind of crazy how <laughs> that's what society is at nowadays. Yeah, no, for sure. Richard, go ahead and unmute yourself, bro. And uh let us hear yo, what you yo, yo, Richard. Hola. So yes, I can honestly say. Um, after talking with you guys on that podcast and continuing, I guess, in my own faith journey that, um, boy, that made such a huge difference. I can't even, I can't even tell you, I haven't prayed in years. I mean, we're talking maybe like legitimately prayed in, in a better part of close to a decade. I haven't even given thought to opening up a Bible. Um, and within probably two days after that podcast, everything we talked about just started to make sense. And I kind of just quit BSing myself, quit making excuses. And dude, I actually sat down and prayed like a legitimate heartfelt time to stop lying to myself, pretending this stuff isn't real. And it's been a consistent pattern ever since. I've, I've consistently been praying the way... The way I view things that are coming at me and a lot of the doubts and questions I have, I, I just, I don't know, man, you guys, the way you guys, I don't know, just answered some of the questions made it, made it so that everything started to kind of click. And ultimately I just stopped lying to myself. I know, I know that what we're seeing um, was kind of predicted. Um, and also it's very much evil. And I, I can't pretend it's anything less than what, you know, anything less than evil, what's going on in the world today. Um, and, and to that, there's got to be the counter. There has to be some good. And I don't know, man, it just, it made a huge impact on on me. And I know from uh, the people I've talked to who've listened to the podcast, huge difference. I mean, that's great to hear, you know, and that's kind of, not kind of, that's why we're doing this and why um, I'm attempting directionally what I'm attempting that I never expected that I'm doing, but there's that. Uh, have you been attending church any? So I'm actually looking to get into um, some sort of Orthodox church to try it out. Um, I was very much raised, um, man, I went to a Wesleyan church, a Calvinist church, uh, very Pentecostal churches growing up. And some of some of my problems with that is the performative aspect of it. Um, so I've actually gotten back in touch with some of my long, longtime friends that are um, Christians, and we've been sort of meeting to do, and it sounds gay, but I don't want, I don't, like a, like a, a guy's group type thing where we just get together and pray hey, and we talk. You know what? Hey, real quick. It's not gay because I think we need more of this. So I'm just going to interject that. Fair enough. Oh, no, I, 
I no, I fully agree there, man. I gotta I gotta go with Romeo on that one, man. It's just guys sitting around talking about ideas. It's no different than having coffee and reading the newspaper and discussing what your local congressman is doing. It just so happens to be matters of faith instead of politics. Which one is or gonna like, do you better in the end though? What what's gonna serve you better in the end? Spiritual faith and, and community and camaraderie? You know, ain't nothing gay about that at all, brother. Yeah, no, so that would mean like every group chat ever made is gay. Which maybe, but <laughs> right, <laughs> it probably was, but that's a different story because I was in there. No, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. up to the point earlier, too, because hey, I love DD, I love Machete, they all love you, boys. But you know, Richard, man, you know, you know, um, seriously, like if there's any, I've got connections with people, um, just different priests and things like that. My suggestion to a lot of people and i'm going to throw a few things out here because you've brought that as you brought that up so please you know stand by i just want to say a few things here really quick i tend to gravitate towards um, more of the eastern european churches when it comes to orthodoxy they're a little more rigorous but i think the rigor that comes with it also helps it shakes out in the end and you get a better congregation because people are held accountable i'm talking your row core churches I'm talking your Serbian Orthodox churches. I'm talking many of the Romanian and a fair amount of the Antiochian. I do, when it comes to the um, Greek Orthodox, it's hit or miss on that. And that's also because of who the patriarch of the church is, because he's just a complete CIA NATO turd, uh, to just be honest. Um, and, you know, it's going to, the it rolls downhill. Um, and it, it affects the way that they're doing it, you know, the way that they approach this. And there's the OCA churches, that's the Orthodox Church of America, and that's where I started out at. It's kind of cool if you're if you're you know dipping your toe in the water, but I also find that they're trying to walk a line of being still like part of this world. Hey, we're American, but we're Orthodox, and it's like, yeah, you do have an identity with a lot of these churches as such. But man, when you're trying so hard, it, it, it feels like Protestantism, Orthodoxy in some of the OCA churches. I'll just be completely honest with you. Not all of them, but again, the Rokor, the Serbs, Antiochian, uh, Romanian, you know, you can find some Bulgarian, you know, things like that. And, you know, feel free, man, shoot, shoot a message into um, – <laughs> Our 38th iteration, which <laughs> we lost the 37th, the day that I posted four Christian memes and came out of church and boom, there we are. We're gone again, oddly enough. Maybe they're totally unrelated, but it was interesting. But I'm sorry, Richard, what else do you have to say about that? I mean, as far as, you know, so to the answer to the question, no, I have not gone back to church. I am, I will, and I am looking into it. Um, but for now, it's just, it's just dude bros getting together um praying and talking about what's going on and trying to work through these things and it's been that you know that's been an incredible help too so i think it is and uh you know people have asked me too as well because they're like which study bible there is as i know it put out by ancient faith a single orthodox study bible the old testament is based off of the septuagint the new testament is a new king james version translation and it has many cross references you can get it in leather and hardback i know christianbooks.com has it you can get it off of amazon but try not to give amazon money i mean jeff bezos doesn't need your money um, if you can't find it anywhere else cool whatever but and again i did buy some bibles 
my goal here is I'm going to be passing these out. I don't know where, how it's going to work out. So I, I kind of, it was funny too. Cause uh, <laughs> Jason, I think it was you, right? Lucky. I was like, Hey dude, <laughs> I'm going to buy these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we were talking that evening. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get boxes shipped to you. I'm like, Oh, okay. Very well, brother. I don't know how we're going to do this, but by all means, I guess. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, you know, I don't know how we're going to do it, man, but like I've had so many people kind of just asking about the Bibles. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just do a giveaway? And it's not like I'm, I don't, I'm not doing this for everybody like, oh, wow, thanks, Romeo, for buying us Bibles. No, man, I want to get this out there and I want to help you guys. And I want to maybe we'll do Bible study at some point. I think that'd be cool, honestly. I think that would I'm be down. cool for us. Yeah, man. I think that would be really cool. You know, and then even, you know, one thing that's really big is um, the saints, you know, in the church. And, uh, and, and you know, what? I want to clear something up here, too, because people often say, oh, you worship Mary. Oh, you worship the saints. No, you venerate. You're not in any way placing these people as high as that. And there are references in the New Testament to praying to the saints for intercession. That's a whole other discussion that we'll, we will probably end up having at some point. But let's just clear that up because that's one of the things like, oh, you guys are idolatrous. No, no, that's not what it's about. But I had to say that. <laughs> so, Richard, back. <laughs> Anything else, man, you got to add? No, honestly, um, I just yeah, love what you guys are doing. Love the impact you guys had, not only in my life, but in in our circle. It's it's incredible. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. So thanks. Yeah, man. And I'd love to hear a little bit more, you know, offline if you want or whatever, you know, in the messages, whatever you want to do, bro. I'd love to hear kind of like just some more of that impact and things like that. And if there's things that people are looking for, you know, help directionally, maybe determine what we're doing. Sounds good, man. Cool, bro. Hey, man. Glad to hear that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, stay blessed. All bro. Right. And we have Mr. Seymour here. Yeah, stay blessed, bro. Yeah, I know. Okay. Seymour, unmute yourself and speak to us. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going well. How you doing, bro? Oh, not too bad. See, you kind of answered my question, you know, with the study Bible part. But I grew up in a small town, Lutheran. And my options are Lutheran or Catholic. And I just don't So is like it uh, with the church. Was it like a Missouri what kind, of, what kind of a synod is it of the uh, Missouri Lutheran? Synod. Okay, well, that's two, because at least they're more traditional. Yes, you know? and that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. But what are what are my options to grow my faith without the church so much? So, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good resources online. And I'm going to try to remember these. I should have written these down because I kind of thought about this. But um, there's a website, orthochristian.com really good resource. You can find a lot of information there. There's some really good people on YouTube too, as well. Let me see if I can remember. So, um, Jonathan Pajo, he's an icon, uh, painter, but he has a great channel and he talks a lot about orthodoxy, but he also talks a lot about culture as well and gives that orthodox perspective on that. There's father Spyridon. Is that how you say the name? Uh, I think because, yeah, Spiridon. he's another good one that uh, spared on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. 
Um, you know, Jay Dyer does some really good apologetics. Um, there's Church of Eternal Logos, um, who, act, you know, uh, I'll reveal, he and I are going to do a podcast here, and that's part of why I'm going to be doing Ooh. this. Um, but he's a, he's a sharp guy. He, uh, he was studying, I think, just general religion in uh, UC Berkeley, and in that he had done some extensive studying on orthodoxy, but he was totally agnostic, I guess, at that point. But um, he had problems with the the full on per, uh, you know, pushing the Skittles community on everyone, and they ended up kind of just giving him the boot from his uh, is either his graduate or PhD program. Let me see. Um, there is Father Trefone or Abbot Trefone. He's out of a monastery, Vashon Island, outside of Seattle. Really good. There's some really good churches online as well. Um, there's St. Mary's um, uh, Rocor Church out of Atlanta. That, that's um, I'd met a guy from there recently, and they had a good talk with uh, Abbot Trefone there. Um, but just like Nectar Publications as well. Yes, with uh, you know. yes, they're they're amazing. Um, I love Father Josiah Trenum, all his videos and everything, and he's always doing a lot of uh, things that are happening during that time and a lot more culturally effective and how it affects all of us as well. So that's always been a good video that I try to watch is uh, besides like going to church. I watch that throughout the week and he, he, they also have like a long-term ones. You, some of them you have to buy uh, online through their website, participantnectar.org. Uh, I think um, you might have to quote me on that, but he's really amazing as well. Yeah, he's solid. Actually, the interesting story about him was, he had trained to be a Presbyterian uh, minister. And this is a guy too, like he, he just ended, uh, attended Oxford. And um, as he was coming out of the seminary, he started looking around and this was 30 years ago, I believe as he's described it, where he was seeing the changes in the church back then. And he was just really uncomfortable with it, found his way into orthodoxy. And so he's been an Orthodox priest for some time. I believe he's Antiochian out in like San Bernardino or something. San Bernardino. Like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, one thing that's cool too. Oh, um, and, you know, uh, Lucky mentioned before, if you find some videos too, that's Father Turbo Qualls. Um, I know on Uncovering Veil or something like that. I know on our Telegram channel, uh, we posted Uncovering a video. The veil. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he he's done a, a, some good talks there. Um, and you can oftentimes, you'll find these people, and they'll be talking with other people as well. And that's a good way. But I think one thing, too, to consider, because, you know, I've seen people at some of the churches I'm at where they're maybe, you know, two hours away from an Orthodox church. I would just suggest when you've got weekend or whenever you find some time, just to go visit one if you can and try to go there during the liturgy. And you can become connected with a church and you can explain, you know, your scenario. And, you know, I, obviously I can see where you want to have the attendance, but I think um, ultimately at least, you know, once a month, once every couple of months, if you could visit the Orthodox church and participate there, I think it's going to make a big difference for you. Okay. And I don't know how uh, voracious of a reader you are, but in terms of like pure um, theology or, comparative religion it's funny that romeo brought up uh, uc berkeley I actually attended some lectures out there a number of years ago by this uh, comparative religion philosopher his name is houston smith he um has a book called the world's religions which kind of gives you the historical and theological background of 
you know, a lot of the major religions. Um, it used to be considered the standardized textbook for a long time. So the world's religions by Houston Smith. And then in terms of apologetics, for example, dealing with the problem of evil, um, succinctly stated, I suppose, would be if God is all-knowing, this omni-being, then why does evil exist? Um, a book by a theologian named John Hick. The book is called Evil and the God of Love, which has been one of my favorites if you're more of like the philosophical, theological bent. Um, it's kind of tedious reading, a lot of footnotes, but it's definitely helped flavor a lot of my impressions over the past, you know, 16, 17 years with regards towards that. So, and, and you know, long, oops, I'm sorry, if I could interject, uh, as far as strictly when it comes to Orthodox, some good um, theology, anything you can find written by or about, well, not just necessarily about, but solid about Father Sarah from Rose, great guy there. And then uh, I'm looking oh, behind. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, what do you call it? Um, St. Vladimir Press has some good books just with the church fathers, and these are translations they did exclusively. It's their patristic series. But then also um, there's uh, Metropolitan Hilarion, Hilarion Aleyev, and he's got um, three books already out. The fourth one should be coming out soon, but he's got a biography of Jesus, and this goes really far in depth. It um, touches on all levels of questions people bring up about, oh, did Jesus exist? So then he goes into in-depth describing, okay, how do we know that Jesus actually lived? You know, getting at that very basic level and then talking about who Jesus was from the various gospels that came out, then talks about the various apostles as well, the people that surrounded Jesus and what was his character like. And then he's got a book on Jesus' miracles, and then he's also got a book that's on... Um, coming out on the parables and I'm trying to remember what the other one is, but then he's got an entire five or six volume series on Orthodox Christianity. And I suggest him very much because it's very solid writing this guy. And I'm pretty sure he's writing these books in English and he writes better English than I do. And it kind of throws me off because this is a Russian and the guy also composes music too, as well. Um, and then also um, my favorites. And I think I got you GD. Um, doing this was um the I said theolect so he's got four oh, yeah. books one on each of the gospel um and then he's also got some on uh, ephesians and galatians but what he does and mind you this was written in the 11th century so you know sometimes it, it can be a little hot and also you'll be reading this and he was like now do what i am saying here as you're in this but it's pretty funny but he just does a uh verse by verse commentary and it's also a lot of what he wrote is um based upon a lot of the writings of, of saint john chrysostom who does the liturgy that the eastern rite of the orthodox church does because you've got eastern and western rite but that's a whole other discussion there i mean i guess in terms of growing faith as it were I, I find I learned best um, in terms of learning things from a historical perspective, because you can't divorce culture from religion. They grow together. Um, so in as much like I'll take a, a drastic example here is that you see a dying culture along with dying religion here in the West. Um, the inverse of that goes back a lot further. So, I mean, dig around into books, man, and, you know, faith be upon you.
that's just what it comes down to. The more that you learn, well, you know, that's, that's it, you know, read everything you can, listen to everything you can. And if you have the opportunity to attend a church, you know, I mean, I understand rural Missouri isn't exactly the place for it, but if you ever find yourself in Kansas city sometime, you know, go and check out a, an Orthodox church up there. And there's some good ones too in the St. Louis area. I'm not sure. Are you in Missouri? Did you Min- say that? No, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Um, Minnesota. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just happen to be in Wisconsin right now. Um, From the UP man. or? Uh, no, not UP. Uh, about 30 minutes north of Wausau, oh. uh, north central area. Um, oh, man. There isn't really anything. There's a few down in Wassa. I'll have to put those online here. Um, I've only been to one of them, so I can't really say. I don't know how much of a drive you're up for, but I know it takes yeah, me quite a there's few. Some, I know there's there's quite a few in Minnesota. You know, obviously in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Um, yeah, I'm Twin sure. Cities area for sure. How, how yeah, far are you from Twin Cities? It's like three and a half, four hours to drive from Oof. me. Oh, Man, yeah, that's like drive from KC to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, I know that. No, there's um, one of my priests previously. There's a, there is a, like, there's like churchfinder.com. There's there's a few different ones. Um, you can find this. Um, let me see. Know, maybe it's just uh, better served if we put a link up or something like that. So hold on a second. I, I found this Orthodoxy in America. That's the one. All right. So give me a second here. I'm going to pull this up real quick. Um, so I see also in... Yeah, just check out Orthodoxy in America, man. And you can do like a radius region jurisdiction. I mean, obviously, you don't have to reveal too much online. Okay. That's a good place to check out. Orthodoxyinamerica.org. Okay. Alrighty then. I know Anna had her hand up and it's gone down. I don't know, dude. Okay. There's yeah, Anna. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say, Seymour, before we uh, move on to Anna? No, no. I appreciate all you guys do. Keep it up. Cool. Awesome, bro. Appreciate your yep. support. Yep. You guys have a great day. You too, man. Thanks, man. All right. Now, <laughs> that song by Trios in my mind, Anna. Oh, Anna. I don't know if anybody knows that, but. Not my right. You know me. I listen to death metal and stuff like that, dude. <laughs> Same. Heathen. Heathen. What? Well, yeah. right. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Okay. We can hear you, Anna. <laughs> so, um, I'm not sure if this was mentioned before. I joined the podcast a little bit late, but um, the comment was made about kind of destroying national sovereignty and that being done, whether it be like by the global homos or by mainstream media or by celebrities. And it's interesting because um, in the genocide convention, there are four protected groups, which are like um, nationality and ethnic group, the um, based on race or religion. And I think the argument could maybe be made that 
what's going on right now in America could potentially be genocide. I mean, if you look at how all these ideas are pushed in like churches and in schools to accept these very far left ideas, it it could be a possibility. I know nobody would ever actually like openly admit to that, but if you look at the text, it it's an argument to be made. Yeah, no, I, sure. I, actually, I, I would agree with that in as much as that the ideas and morals and idea of a nation and shared ethos are the backbone of a culture. I guess you could call it ideological or cultural genocide in a lot of ways. It, it's erasure of one's historicity and shared identity and shared ethos under the auspices of progressivism and inclusivity and lacking any sort of defining ethos um you know you, you can't be tolerant of the intolerant is what's happening here so once that starts to dissolve yeah i would definitely call it ideological genocide for sure if not for practical purposes um you know physical genocide in a lot of ways i mean when you discourage certain people to stop having children in pursuit of their career for globo homo to become you know, 80 hour a week slaves to some sort of corporate overlords and conglomerates. I mean, it, the results all the same, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, they also mentioned that the deliberate infliction. So I guess there's, there has to be that intent element and it's the deliberate infliction of physical destruction in whole or in part. And then they can also do it by imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. So I think you raise a valid point that kind of promoting people to not have children. And also, if we're talking about the jabs, too, that could also be an added factor in, you know, preventing procreation within the group. Well, particularly when uh, when, when our, our new guests aren't required to have jibber jabbers, but yet the, the citizenry is, you know, the there was a, a meme I saw the other day where the um, uh, there's some background there um, where the the uh, what do you call it? the border patrol has to have it but then the people coming in don't and they're going to be firing people from the border patrol who don't have it just that irony yeah <laughs> and, and knowing the procreation of the of the new arrival or new arrivees. <laughs> Kind of, yeah, uh, or even just, credence oh. there to a uh, replacement theory. I'm sorry, go ahead, Doc. No, go, no, go, go ahead, bro. Oh no, it's just just a one-off comment. Yeah, it kind of lends some credence to the whole replacement theory thing, doesn't it? For yeah. sure. Or even like the other thing too is like when this whole thing kind of early started, like the churches were the first thing that were shut down. Like that should have been like your number one like eye opener. It's like, hey, all the big conglomerates have been open this whole time walmart freaking target freaking whatever you name it they all stayed open but for the safety of everyone else churches and small businesses were being completely destroyed so that should have been another like hey like that's kind of weird like they should have shut down too but so if they do that in the future go hold your church service in the middle of costco or walmart force it on them well, yeah. it, it falls it falls perfectly in line with what I was saying, um, you know, what are these bedrocks of community churches, small businesses, the mom and pop shop that employed Brandon and let's go. But uh, Jimmy, you know, when you guys were 15 bagging groceries, those small mom and pop shops are 
they're gone. They're decimated. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses, churches, whatever, what have you, have disappeared, never to come back again. And these people will be wrestling with that debt for the rest of their lives over the, what's happened in the past couple of years. So, I mean, again, cultural and ideological genocide. That's oh yeah, it's because pretty dark when you phrase it like that, but it's it's the truth. It's the de facto result. The the blam tea for riots went after all the mom and pop stuff and went after the small churches, everything that was located there, where you know, little Kilo Romeo ended up in the midst of protecting those establishments that paid where that's the irony of it, right? The billionaires indirectly were sponsoring these people to go out and destroy the small competition. State sponsored terrorism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there can be some argument made that, you know, a lot of it was directly sponsored as opposed to indirectly. But with regards to it's indirectly, I mean, you know, you, you got to capitalize, right? I mean, Pfizer's out here posting memes and stuff now. I mean, isn't that oh. something? Oh, dude, and they, they even got the meme wrong, which is what was hilarious about it, which just made it that much more because it happened to be the same time that the Pfizer CEO is telling us that if you're against the vaccines, you're a terrorist. Okay, billionaire. Well, but that's what it's all about, though, isn't it? It's It's keeping the little man down, keeping communities from becoming communities or forming strong, ethical, and empathetic bonds with one another. It's about shuttering discussion and the actual idea of what science as a methodology, not as a monolithic um, scientism in terms of worship is what that is. So, I mean, which God do you want? The state-sponsored one who will sell you out wholesale and your communities? Or look at the tried and true historical perspective here. I mean- The Trinity. You know, so I mean, that's that's definitely interesting perspective. What was your uh, source on that, Anna? Because you were quoting directly. Yes, yeah, so, or something um, that I could read that. I'd, yeah, I'd be if you very pull interested up in reading the, that. Um, the genocide convention, um, specifically articles two and three. Yeah, it also kind of reminds me of a. Uh, so I was doing reading a bit more, like I guess you can say, going more towards the lucky. <laughs> out of house uh plato and then i was reading politics and it, it kind of made me laugh about kind of all that because it kind of just ties it all in that like even he, he said like back in the day like you know the ideals of citizenship until civic duties group solidarity necessary necessary for like it requires a strong common identity and a sharp differentiation between citizens and foreigners so it's just like if people have like and i know i'm kind of tiptoeing like a really weird line right now but if we all have like a national identity and we all maintain that strong moral and ethical compass, the country will flourish. But now that we've kind of diminished from that idea and just letting everyone flood the gates and I know that coming from like a Mexican is probably like <laughs> a true irony, <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, maybe my parents came here illegally. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh assimilating to the culture and to the idea of what like america should be you know what i mean having like good ethical moral line and compass and even uh going back to orthodoxy uh father spirit had a really good video not too long ago about how the west used to be the light of all things and now it's 
it's become like a beacon of degeneracy and pushing for all these horrible ideas. So we've lost, I don't think we as people, but those definitely that are in charge pushed into this cultural Marxism and destroying of the old and getting away from all these things that time has established through good morals, ethics, and all of this stuff. And now we're here and, uh, if you don't do certain things then you're going to be absolved from society, which I'm all about, like, leave me alone, but who knows what will well, happen. I mean, but see part, I think part of the challenge though, too, that heart, that whole, uh, leave me alone type thing. And we'll just grin and bear it has gotten us to this position where there's been such yeah. control in the irony of it at the same time too, is that, you know, where I had more libertarian leanings in the past and I used to think, Oh yeah, man, just, you know, capitalism well it's They're not all violating the nap yeah and and, then, and to see that it's the corporations themselves who whether you view it now ironically or unironically depending on your perspective does all come together are the ones who are pushing the most destructive things out there the most destruction of our history and culture yeah They're all in cahoots together, bro. It's, it's <laughs> definitely like I, I know we're trying to veer away from using the word conspiracy, but it's like, nah, bro. If everyone, you know? if every, if everyone's on the same program, like at some point, you got to stop looking at things and be like, okay, like this is more than just a coincidence. You know what I mean? Like, but people well, don't want to hear that. As Lucky and I have often said, we are not conspiracy theorist we are conspiracy empiricist because the conspiracies exist yeah absolutely and what's that demarcation what about six months to conspiracy to uh rounded truth i mean it just it depends on how long how long you're willing to uh, wait to accept things of which are readily apparent to you um you know I, I go where the data shows me and that's just how it is it, you don't know how to interpret the data okay yeah, that's the danger. Don't don't be don't be interpreting the science yourself. Let the experts on CNN do it for you. Yeah, because I trust journos to speak about anything of substance. You know, like science popularizers and everything like that. You know, I, I was looking through a thread here not too long ago where uh, the Stakem's Twitter account was just like oh, totally oh. ripping into uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And it was hilarious. I'm going to post it in the Telegram because that stuff had me laughing. And it kind of reminded me what my uh, one of my professors of philosophy of science said back in the day. He was a, a student in this regard. And uh, I don't know. I'll just post a thread because it was hilarious. The one about the epistemology, how Neil doesn't even follow epistemology. He just likes to throw things out there that sound cool. Black science. Yeah, yeah. He throws them out there for uh, quaint sound bites, but he has no respect for epistemology or scientific method whatsoever. He's a personality as opposed to a scientist. For clout. Yeah, that's it. Yep, it was it was a hilarious thread. <laughs> well, yeah, awesome. But that's where we're at. I can't interpret the data, bro. Don't just just trust the sources. Trust people implicitly. Four out of five and dentists it, say your cat is plotting to kill you. Uh, that's why I got to him first, you know. But uh, funny enough that you mentioned scientific uh, method, because like, I don't think most people like remember what that is. Like nothing is absolute, like to a point of degree, at least when it comes to that, but it's like you have to continuously test that thesis. 
to make sure that it's like, okay, this is what we know so far. It could change at any given point in time. And this is like the one time where people are like, nope, it's 100% safe and effective. It's absolute. Like, that's it. Like, well, bro, that goes against it, anything science. Like, just period. Well, and, and part of the scientific method, and this is where I think as a nation we're in a crisis, is the ability to reproduce whatever the supposed study says. I... I remember hearing something recently and, you know, let's just take psychology as an example with all their studies. Someone told me that only one third of the studies that are these academic studies can be reproduced. So that means two thirds of the gobbledygook in a gobbledygook religion itself of psychology are even reproducible. But yet people will so willingly fall in line with like, oh, expert psychologists say and the danger in so much of that, and that's what extends out with all the problems that we have with the scientism. Well, yeah, and that's that's pure profit-driven. Um, in terms of philosophy of science itself, the bedrock of this is predicated upon something called falsificationism, um, which is why you don't see um, religion fall into this thing. It's, it's uh, considered more or less an epistemic um, outlier predicated upon faith and things like that. But when it comes to material things, um, Karl Popper is actually the, the founder of this one now for whatever purposes you feel about Popper, if you've actually trudged through his work. Um, he was a contemporary of Wittgenstein, and that means nothing to a lot of people unless you're in the really abstract mathematics and stuff. But the bedrock of this is reproducibility, and that is how all of science is supposed to work. Um, it, it's more or less a Hegelian dialectic. So, you know, you have thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and so on the circle goes. Ad infinitum. The science is never settled, in other words. It's just a very, very academic and silly way of saying the science is never settled. You know, and these are guys who predate the invention of anything called CNN. You know, they, they are the foundation of some of the greatest thinkers humanity has ever known. But that's quite the conundrum, isn't it? They actually thought... That's what they They want NPCs, bro. It's wild, man. Like now, like they don't want people thinking. It's a, uh, it's kind of sad, but I'm glad that we at least, uh, we all have something to look forward to when it comes to like religion that gives that good basis. Always going back full circle. You know what I mean, it hasn't changed since Jesus Christ was around, and now you know. Even as things continue to get worse, you know, we at least have a, a guiding light to reinforce our beliefs. Well, and, you know, and, and that too. This was a discussion about a week and a half ago we got involved with Lucky and I on our Wednesday night. And um, the concept of the logos, because in John, in the gospel, mm-hmm. and it talks about how in the beginning was the word. So in English, the word, what does that mean? But in the Greek that it was written in the logos, the the logos is the truth. That's the, the wisdom. And so it is the word of God, but it's the truth that's coming from God. And it's the wisdom that's coming from God. And it's the 
there, there's something here that we have lost. And I think that's sometimes the challenge of the translation when things are in English, but at, to your point, this has been there. And it seems to me what I have found in my journey and other people that I've spoken to is that all of this consumerist culture has led us away from truth, has led us away from order, has led us away from wisdom. And they're trying to supplant it with this false whatever. And, and that's where we reach this point now where there is no longer this epistemology. Because if epistemology existed, that would challenge the, the chaos that they need for us to just become these mind-numbing consumerists. Epistemic studies in general, I mean, it is a field of study, which is pretty um, archaic, even in terms of philosophy, is quite literally the study of how do we know what we know and what is knowledge versus belief. And there's a ton of very, very archaic essays written in various languages, um, be it symbolic languages um, like S4 systems, or you can look up stuff from Willard Van Orman Klein or Kripke or, you know, whatever, what have you. That's literally what it is, though, is how do we know what we know and what is the difference between knowledge versus belief? So saying anything is settled, though, is quite the, uh, it, it's completely antithetical. So in other words, in scientism, what you find is a monolithic belief, which they often accuse Christians of having, um, this indoctrination aspect that we talked about earlier has now seeped its way into various forms of academia. And you know what, it runs completely counter to the idea itself of finding any truth or meaning in anything, whether you make that distinguishment of truth as, as a capital T truth or lowercase truth or logos or world soul or atma or whatever what have you but by suspending that discussion completely well you create basically um, conceptual serfs frontal lobe serfs who are incapable of thinking outside of well what's being spoon-fed to them so that's where you get the npcs as doc rightfully pointed out So um, it looks like we've got one more question here and I want to go ahead and hit that. And then I, I think I want to wrap it up because we're, we're, we're coming up on two hours here. And so uh, let's go ahead. Toby, former professional ninja would like to speak. You're going to have to unmute yourself, Toby. Uh, so yeah, just following up on uh, the epistemology uh, thing, we're it it for the longest time was uh, JTB kind of justified true belief, um, but then you know if people just accepted that, you'd be stuck in that. But I I think it was uh, 70s or 80s, uh, so back from you know the Greeks all the way until this time, uh, JTB equals knowledge uh, but I forget the guy's name Spencer maybe kind of came out with the paper kind of showing that uh, you could come up with instances where that wasn't necessarily the case as far as knowledge but just kind of I don't know <laughs> throwing that out there as far as you know 
taking people's word for what is what is what and should be set in stone as opposed to always the scientific me method questioning shit. I don't know if I. No, you're good. Uh, Lucky, what do you say to that? Got that Lucky... across very well. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, Lucky's the guy with the philosophy degree, so I'd rather him speak to that. Oh, sorry. I was uh, kids running around Saturday morning stuff, you know. Um, I didn't actually hear most of that, and I apologize. Just go ahead and restate what you were saying. Oh, no worries. Uh, just kind of talking about following up what you were talking about with um, epistemology, you know, for the longest time, um, justified true belief equaled knowledge. Uh, but I forget the guy's name. I think it was 70s or 80s came out with a paper, real short paper uh, with the instances of where that wouldn't necessarily be the case. But just kind of, again, following up what you were talking about, uh, people accepting something as, uh, you know, this is the science. This is what uh, what is what instead of kind of questioning stuff when something just seems illogical. OK, yeah. So, yeah again, true belief, JTP. Um, the idea being is, is that this is where you get that demarcation between what is faith based and what is epistemic based. In other words, materialism versus what you um, experience subjectively. To that end, right. we kind of run into some problems about what is considered justified. Um, you get into a lot of really quaint arguments about solipsism. In other words, I can't prove that anybody else exists. I only perceive the world through my own two eyes. And this is kind of a weird, muddied area of epistemology. It's really weird that you brought it's that like up. It's like the Cartesian kind of thing. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as calling it Cartesian mind-body duality, but uh, maybe some brain, ex like some thought experiments, like brain in a vat. That's kind of where you get solipsism mm. from. You know that you could hypothetically right, yeah. be a brain in a vat and have no knowledge of the outside world um, in any meaningful sense. You know, so that constitutes what is meaning. Is it what I perceive? It's what I can touch, taste, smell. Um, is it my emotions or you know the concept of love? People say they want to find love but it's a concept it's a subjective feeling do you reify it um thingify it in other words do you lift a rock or find the right person and you find love so that whole justified true belief concept has come under a lot of fire just rightfully so for a long time because it's a matter of what constitutes justification in a sense so are you talking about a mathematical tautology in terms of operators like two plus two necessarily equally four yeah, it's a very convoluted set of epistemology, dude. I mean, that's wow. <laughs> wow, I'm just surprised because I have not thought about that yeah. in a long time. But uh, playing upon yeah. that, that kind of muddying the water, the waters of what constitutes factual knowledge and data, has kind of gotten us to a point now where you've got these schools of philosophy where deconstructionalism and uh, you know, post-structuralism or post-post-structuralism exists. In other words, that there is not an objective truth that cannot be defined anyway. And that's kind of seeped its way into mathematics as well. Um, you see in some more fringe academic circles, which is very, very that's strange I'm Right. Even though that mathematics are determined by the, their operators, the definitions of their operators, I don't know why you would 
you know, take that kind of mentality, that Derrida inspired nonsense into mathematics. But yeah, justify true belief. Um, right. You know, again, it comes down to what is justified. So yeah, I don't really see a lot of stock in that. I never placed much stock in that theory. Um, I always read it as a bad interpretation of quick of Kripke or Willard Reynolds Quine, you know. So, yeah, there. I mean, unless you want me to ramble for about three hours about this, I'll, I'll have to shut up now. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Um, appreciate all the questions and everything there from everyone. I think, uh, you know, that's been kind of one of the things that. Uh, we didn't do early on with these podcasts, but now we're doing them live and such like that. It's good to have the interaction with everyone. So appreciate that participation. And we're, we've now surpassed, I think two hours here that we've been live. So yeah, yes, I will turn to, you know what? I want to do something here. Let's do something a little bit just to expose ourselves a little bit to the audience, something a little unexpected. We'll make it so guys, yeah, let's go. Let's let's dive in. Lucky. Yes. Give me your give me your top five albums all time, and it could be anything, man. It could be even you know some Shostakovich if you want. Um, top five albums: um, King's X, Faith, Hope, Love, Motorheads, Inferno, Thin Lizzy. Um, Vagabonds of the Western World. Uh, man. Probably UFO Mechanics. And... Oh, man, I don't know. This is tough, dude. This is tough. So much great music out there. I know. It's always hard because, you know, I, I think when you're talking about something like this, especially when I caught you off guard like this, um, it's a, it's a so gut kind of thing. To round out five, then I would, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of stuff that had a huge impact on me when I first heard it. Um, probably Joe Satriani's Surfing with the Alien. Yeah. I just went for impact, like things that made my hair raise the first time that I heard them. Miguelito Machete. Uh, dude, I know. I was thinking about it as you were saying it. <laughs> um nirvana unplugged definitely is up there um joe turna by circus survive um music for the recently deceased by i killed the prom queen um definitely under oath album but uh i would say define the great line for me uh and then I don't know. I'd have to say one of the earlier Bring Me Horizons because I was like a, a young little, you know, deviant back in the day. So, uh, and then I guess Spanish albums, but I'm not going to go into that because it's going to lose people. <laughs> <laughs> what? You didn't have Menudo posters up in your room there? Your no, I had a Mana, which is like a another Spanish yeah. like, rock band. So I had Mana. Uh, Enanitos Verdes, um, Café Tacuba, like kind of alternative, kind of like like rock, I guess you could say, because that's what my mom used to listen to. 
But then my dad was more of a metalhead, and he was like Metallica, GNR, freaking Anthrax, things like that. What about? Did you ever listen to Moenia? Uh, oh, Moenia, yeah. Hasta fondo tocar. Yeah, I listened <laughs> to them a little bit. Um, a lot of older stuff too, but that was more like banda type stuff, like banda limon, banda recodo, but. They're they're not up there. Like they're definitely like if I'm feeling like one and reminisce, yeah. But no, th- th- those other five are definitely like peak of like uh I don't know what kind of like move me. And then now like Fit for a King is definitely up on my list as well. All their albums are actually really good. I get down with some Brujeria. Oh, dude, dude, I hadn't heard of that band since I was like in school middle school bro like what is that late 2000s like no yeah. early 2000s uh late early, 90s yeah yeah late 90s early 2000s yeah they're still out there touring making music though yeah no i, I, I think i've grown past <laughs> like i wasn't like oh like i was into impending doom the other day the earlier stuff and i was just like rather some solid wow. stuff yeah wow, wow. Uh, i haven't heard that in a long time Bro, Nail Dead Risen is like every time I hear that intro, it just you know goosebumps, bro. I love that guttural sound. You know, I'm not about to do it, even though I can. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> or maybe it, no, I'm not going to. It's all good. Maybe uh, Skinless foreshadowing our demise would be a, a good honorable mention there for sixth. But yeah, Romeo, what do you got? All right, let's do um, Bauhaus. 79 to 83, Volume 2, Greatest Hits. Husker Du is an arcade. Tool, Anima. Mm-hmm. Um, Susie and the Banshees, Juju. And That's then... a strange one. Okay. Yeah, that... <laughs> you, should, you should see the things I listen to when... When no one's around. <laughs> Same. Um, but I've got to, I got to be honest here. And then, you know what? Joy Division. And with Joy Division, it's kind of hard. It's it's a either unknown pleasures or substance. Okay, that's fair. Those are, those yeah. are yeah, both great. Yeah, got you. But you know Joy what? Division reminds me of Interpol. No, or maybe another way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's let's get that straight. Now, backwards, yeah. <laughs> but you know what, too, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a a five a, a 5A. I'm gonna do Public Image Limited. It's the generic album where they had where it was cassette, or if it was a CD, it was CD, or if it was an album, it was album. Now, the reason why I thought of this too as well, and why this is so important. I named that album the Susie and the Banshees Juju, and why I like that so much is the guitar work on there. The guitarist on that album was the guitarist on that Public Image Limit album, and that was a guy. You know, he ended up passing. I think you know early two thousands or late nineties. Amazing, amazing guitarist. And if you listen to those albums, just listen to the layering of the guitar on there. That's what made that Susie and the Banshees album what it mm. was. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Just getting put off the on the spot like that for a top five. I mean, I dude, I don't know. I could span death metal, punk. I could talk about X or 
the slug fuckers or joy division or whatever i mean i can talk well, about you know, gates or thin lizzie ufo uh tigers of pantang you know it's just crass even dying fetus you know that kind of stuff i mean it's just there's so much out there and i think when it comes to guitars though um eric gale's band for sure steve vai joe satriani ingve malmstein those kinds of guys you know are just virtuosos you know, Gary Moore, who uh, played with Thin Lizzy as well. He's just an artist. Uh, Brian Robertson, who also played with Thin Lizzy. Um, yeah, there's just so many good people out there. And you know who I didn't even name? And I, you know, I think about this now too, man. Uh, a group that means a lot to me, you know, especially like background music and stuff. Massive Attack. Um, oh, you know, yeah. The Mezzanine album, the Mezzanine album is something incredible. And even recently as 2010, they had Heliogoland or Heliogoland or however you want to say it. Um, but that is, that's some good, solid mood background music as well. You know, and then they had the, on Mezzanine, that's the, the song that was in um, that stupid doctor TV show that everybody watched with the British dude that was playing in America. House? Yeah, House. yeah, yeah. So, so that was oh, I love that, house, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean house was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, house was pretty funny and stuff like that, but I'm just you know that music that they yeah. did um uh that was off of the Mezzanine album and that was the woman who was the lead singer of the Cocktoo Twins. And the Cocktoo Twins, that's some 4AD music which Bauhaus was on. Dead Can Dance, some really good music there. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see it. You guys are into weird stuff. I don't even know if I can hang out with you guys anymore. You and me would probably get along. Like, I'd, I'd, mine's like a mixture because, like, even then, like, I was big on the Mars Volta at one given point in time, too. Like, that was just, yeah, that's when Dude, I was writing probably the most. Uh, like, I used to like smoke weed and like just write a whole lot because I used to like sing and scream for a band. So, yeah, that was a <laughs> that was an interesting time. I, I feel you. Then you'd probably dig that uh, new hypocrisy stuff that's been coming out. Good old Swedes. Um, yeah. I, I know I posted some of it up in the Telegram and stuff, but I, I'm a big fan of that. You know. Okay, but you, you Mars Volta, but how'd you feel about At The Drive-In? Dude, oh, I, no. when they first came out, yes. Now, mm. but that first That first At The Drive-In album with the one-armed scissor brigade. Mm-hmm. And Arc Arsenal, Patterns Against User, that stuff. That was some solid stuff when I first yeah. came out. With my old band, we used to cover One Arm Scissor. <laughs> really? Yeah. Did you sing the, it? Yeah. And then my oh, guitarist, my, my buddy Mario, used to... Uh, it took him forever, but I always try to convince him to do the screaming part. Because, like, bro, I can't do both. Like, it's such a short <laughs> period of time that... Like, but he was always so self-conscious about it. And I was like, bro, like, you're not doing much. Like, I'm doing, like, the horror deal. But it, this was, like, 2007? Yeah. Oh, God. Long ass time ago. But, yeah. It seemed like a lot of those guys who were, like, Fugazi really enjoyed that early at the drive-in stuff. And it just yeah. it never hit the spot for me. I mean, that was, like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. It just it didn't do it for me, man. I was, like, I don't know. I, I was off on that death metal kick. I listened to a lot of Cannibal Corpse. And, did, you, did, you know, you, did you like Waiting Room? Did you like Waiting Room by Fagazi? Not really, dude. Really? I am a patient boy. What about uh, Minor Threat? 
Minor threat, I can mess Minor with threat. that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Ian McKay, because yeah. I mean, that was him later. Yeah. Yeah, I like Minor Threat. Just Fugazi, I don't know. I mean, there's one thing I do got to say for Fugazi, though. They always insisted whenever they played live shows, they only sold their tickets for $5. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. They, they, <laughs> that was one of the solid things about them, and they'd play some of the weirdest joints, too, just to accomplish that. Right, yeah. They uh, played down there in, in Kansas City quite a bit. Um, place that was called uh, the Riot Room and Beaumont Club Riot Room. Both of those places are gone now, but yeah, it was uh, interesting for sure. I mean, they put on a hell of a live show. That's I can't I can't argue that. Besides, for five bucks, yeah, of course I'm gonna go. But yeah, Minor Threat, yeah, definitely. And I love that bass line though that from the opening of Waiting Room. Do 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 do. That was a good lead in. Sure. Well, you know what, man? See. Now you guys know a little bit more about us, but remember too, and I think that's the point to what you're saying, Lucky. This is the question we're answering in the moment right now. It's probably based on a lot of what we're listening to recently, and you ask me tomorrow or a week from now, it's probably going to be a different list. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's going to be a different list six hours from now, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mine will probably have some Johnny Craig in there somewhere. I thought you were going to say Johnny Cash for a second when I heard that. Oh, I mean, Cash, too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably go with some Hank Williams or Hank, you know, Hank the second today. Well, Hank the third, even, you know, I go with oh, dude, Hank. Hank the third. See, now oh, you guys are going into like a, like cash, like for me, like that's, that's, that's kind of my line. <laughs> you like oh, cash? Dude, I got, yeah. I got to like, you some stuff from uh, Hank the third, man. You're, you're, you'd love it, Doug. I've heard the name. Like I, I know the name, but I just don't like, oh, dude, there's something like, I just don't veer, you know? Well, because he's done stuff with the Melvins and uh, okay. a, a psycho Billy. So he's got like this punk rock. Like if he does a show, he'll do half of the show in um, punk and then the other half in country. You know, it's kind of an interesting mix that he's got going on. Actually, yeah, who else was a, doing that recently? The the dude from, blue, uh, yeah. A lot of bluegrass stuff in there too with uh, Hank the Third and a lot of psycho Billy yeah. stuff. Yeah, for sure. They come from Tiger Army. He just did like a country album not so long ago. Someone was telling me about it. I got to listen to that. You guys listen to them? Uh, not really. I haven't heard much. I can't say that I'm well informed in that regard. But uh, I know shoot, I shoot, me a link. shoot me a link, bro. Okay. And what, but what were you saying about Johnny Cash? Oh no, I wasn't saying anything. Like that's like, like I know it's like I like cash, but then like with like country, I'm so like, like I can listen to it, but I, I'm not gonna go out looking for it. You know what I mean? So if it was cash, would it be like the early cash, or would it be like the recent stuff that he did? Uh, a little bit of, of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got gospel you. cash feel- is good, man. You know, I mean, yeah. of course, I, I, I you know, I, it's just. I don't know. Some of my favorite musicians, those guys were higher than draft Coochie on the moon when they were writing some of their best work, you know? So it's like, <laughs> take the Bill Hicks approach on that. Bro, some would say in the early days of PBS was when we did our best work and we had those substances in our system when we were doing that. Yeah, yeah. probably. I would even argue that myself. So. <laughs> That's why, like, even more, like, recently, like, with, like, music, like, I'm there's a lot that i still kind of listen to but i'm trying to i don't know like be a little more strict with who and what i listen to to kind of like i still appreciate a lot of the old music just because it uh it helped me get through like a lot 
but then I try to, it's like, okay, what's, what's going to help me out like mentally and emotionally, you know what I mean? Like I can't be listening to the sure. old metal and like screamo. Cause I wasn't so big on the emo phase. I'll admit it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> LDF is big into that stuff too. You and LDF. I was a scene kid, dude, but yeah. Um, back in the day. Uh, but yeah, now I'm trying to like clean up my, my playlist and there's still stuff I kind of have on there, but I, I try to veer more towards that way. Like I just started listening to Sleeping Giant again. So to kind of like clean well, things up, you know? Well, the thing is, you know, you got to think about too, music touches our soul in a special way. And I don't think people always realize it. And I think, you know, you go to a church and you listen to the liturgy and things like that. You can see how it does that. That's yeah. what people realize. And that's the challenge too, as well. And I think, you know, I've taken a step away from some of the music and some of it I can still listen to. And I think there's a strength of soul and a strength of character or whatever you want to say that allows you to do it. But, you know, dude, it was like a uh, lucky. You remember you hit me with something. We were talking back and forth and it was rotting Christ. That didn't yeah. used to bother me. But, man, I hear that name now and I'm just like, wow, it's just disgust me, that name. Qualified musicians, the lead singer Sakis actually tried to fuck my ex-girlfriend at a show. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, some uh, Gigi Allen type of stuff there, huh? Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm just playing. I'm playing. Gigi <laughs> Allen. I mean, you know, then again, Gigi Allen seems extreme, you know, whenever if you were listening to like Newfound Glory or crying while listening to like AFI's Days of the Phoenix or something like that, mm. which I'm sure you you still really enjoy. But. Yeah. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, when I get off here, that's what I'm going to go listen to. I'm going to go oh, cry to some Bayside, bro. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. I got well, to get up myself, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let let's let's wind this down because it was as tends to be with me at times more impromptu, and I'm going to try to get better, especially now that I've invested in a real microphone. <laughs> How did it sound to you, Lucky? Sounds good on my end. I mean, I'm still sitting over here on my broke roofer phone, you know, because I break like eight phones a year at least. Yeah. So it sounds good on my end, though. Yeah, that sounds right good, on. dude. Cool, cool. All right, man. Well, this has been, I don't know, is this 97? I think this is PBF Podcast 97. I'm so bad about that now. So anyway. Yeah, I think we're, we're we're above 100 now, dude. We're like, yeah, no, we're not above 100, bro. No, we we're go. not that high. No, we're not. Guarantee you we haven't hit so, Someone yet. message them and uh, fact check them. <laughs> No, dude. You know what? You know what? Oh, wait, okay. Okay. Let, wait. Let's. Before we go, I will tell you exactly. Since yeah, it's ninety-seven. Because the last yeah, one you titled ninety-six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Well, I I don't know. I'm, I'm retarded. <laughs> man. Don't, don't mind. You me. are, but we both are, and that's why I'm, we love you. I'm I love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Hey guys. All right. We thank everyone for tuning in to the. Uh, PBFDD Saturday. Uh, thanks for all the questions too, as well, everyone. Um, appreciate you guys listening and uh, got more things coming as I, as I outlined here. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. This is go ahead and sign off everyone. This is uh machete or uh disgruntled docs. Stay blessed family. Hey, it's your boy lucky out here doing nothing but being cold and talking to you fools. Hopefully you tune in again. Right on, and this is Romeo One Oscar, the PBF podcast number 97, and we are out.